Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that your love ran red on Calvary's cross. If it were not for the blood of Christ, we would have no hope. No hope whatsoever. Nothing to look forward to. Except for judgment and punishment for our rebellion. But we praise you this morning, Lord God, for Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice that he made on our behalf so that we might have eternal hope in him. And today, Lord, we rejoice in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the source of all of our joy, the only source of true, lasting joy. Oh, Lord, let us rejoice. No matter what we face in life, Lord, let us rejoice in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now teach us today from your word, I pray. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Continuing on, looking at verse 27 through 30 as we continue our study, discovering joy. Discovering joy. And today we are rejoicing in heavenly citizenship. We rejoice in heavenly citizenship. So Philippians chapter 1. Verse 27 through 30. Remember Paul in this letter, he, he's concerned about this church in Philippi, their joy. As they face difficult circumstances, difficult times, as he himself is in prison for the gospel, he has a lot of concern about joy. He wants this church to know that the source of their joy is not in the things of this world, but in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he is reminding them of that, and he wants us today to find joy in Jesus. So we are continuing in the study to see how we find joy in Christ our Lord. If you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear, hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. There is a certain joy in patriotism. We think about this great country in which we, we live in. Uh, uh, 
we live in, I believe, the greatest nation in the world. It's a great nation, a wonderful nation. It means something to us. When we hear the Star Spangled Banner begin to play, there's a a certain welling of the Spirit inside of us typically, right? There's a, a joy in that patriotism of being an American citizen. Well, if we have that joy in our patriotism, our citizenship of these United States, how much more ought we to find joy in our heavenly citizenship? Far greater than our citizenship of this country is our citizenship in Christ Jesus in His kingdom. Because America will only last for a moment. Believe it or not, this nation won't stand forever. If history continues to go, this nation, like every nation before it, will fall. And ultimately, in the end, when Christ returns, there will no longer be a United States of America. There will only be the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We should find great joy in our heavenly citizenship. In Christ, rejoice in your heavenly citizenship, displaying conduct worthy of His kingdom. Let me say that again. This is the sermon in a sentence this morning. In Christ, rejoice in your heavenly citizenship, displaying conduct worthy of His kingdom. Now, you say, where do you get all this about heavenly citizenship? Well, it's here. We just got to dig a little bit deeper and, and, and discover what Paul is saying here. Now, as we get into chapter 1, verse 27, here in this last little paragraph of this chapter, Paul is really announcing his, his, his greatest proposition, his central proposition for this entire book. Now you remember, Paul, I told you, is he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. They, he is in prison. They've heard of his imprisonment, and they've sent someone there, Epaphroditus, to come to Paul and, and bring him some aid while he is there in prison in Rome. And so he is wanting to send back to them that, hey, thank you. Everything's great here. Everything's wonderful. And, and he wants to encourage them but his main purpose here in this whole book, even above thanking them for their gift, was to encourage them in their walk with Christ. To encourage them as they walk in this life to walk with Christ and stand firm in Christ. So that's the whole purpose of this book. That's the main purpose of this book. And, and we see that in this paragraph. And everything else, I believe, from the rest of the, of the way through the book is really coming out of this one paragraph and, and the, the main proposition here in this paragraph. And so as we look at this, and we began to look at this, then the main proposition here is this, conduct yourselves worthily. Conduct yourselves worthily, and that is conduct yourselves worthily as citizens of heaven. Conduct yourselves worthily as citizens of heaven. 
And you get that from this word here. In verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's, that's the main proposition. But as we look at that, that proposition, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, you see there, let your manner of life be. If you like to underline in your Bibles like I do, underline that term, let your manner of life be. Because that is the imperative, that is the command that Paul is giving in this paragraph. And that imperative, that command feeds everything else, I believe, in this book. It begins to work through. Let your manner of life be, let it be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that word there, <clears throat> that whole phrase in English is... Uh, actually a translation of one word let your manner of life be in the greek is one word and that word is paletu amai paletu amai now you you hear in that word paletu you hear the word politics polity you see, that's where our, our English word for politics and polity, all that comes from that word there, that root word in, in the Greek, paletu. And the word here, paletu amai, this imperative means this, to conduct yourself with proper reference to one's obligations in relationship to others as part of some community. As part of some community. Conduct yourselves with proper reference to one's obligations in relationship to others as part of some community. In other words, in other words, present yourself. Let your manner of life be worthy of your citizenship. As you live your life out in the world, remember, Paul is saying, where your citizenship really lies. Remember where your citizenship really lies. And as you live, live in such a way that you honor that citizenship. He is reminding them here that their citizenship is not of this world. You see, they are undergoing uh, conflict and, and persecution in Philippi because Philippi is a very proud community. They're a, a Roman colony. And so it was a, a very a good thing. It's kind of like the United States. We're a very proud people. We, we love our nation. Well, they loved their town. It was a good thing to be a Roman colony. They were one of very few cities who could say that they were a Roman colony. And so it was a, a, a good thing to be a part of the Roman, uh, the Roman colony. But these... Philippians, they're not doing all the patriotic stuff that was involved in the city of Philippi because that was against their religious beliefs. As they came to know Christ and began to live life in Christ, they had to, to get away from some of the, the ceremonies, the pagan ceremonies that was, were a part of being patriotic, if you will, to the city of Philippi. And they're coming under persecution. And Paul saying to them, remember where your citizenship lies. It's not in Philippi. That's not your home. Your, your true home is in Christ Jesus, in His kingdom. 
Let your manner of life be worthy. Let your manner of citizenship be worthy of the kingdom to which you truly belong. And that's the message to us today. I just thank Mary Beth and I. We've had a great opportunity through our, our times together to, to travel abroad and, and going on mission trips and just on vacation a few times. We've got to go to other places outside of the United States. And, and as we go and we travel, for me, it, it, it's a responsibility. I, and when I go and I begin to interact with foreigners, I want to interact in such a way that they look at me and that I represent my nation well. That's important to me. I, I want them, because of, uh, of their interaction with me, I want them to say, hey, that guy's from the United States, and I'm kind of impressed, you know? I want them to talk good about my country because of their interaction with me. Now, we've, always, we've all seen these people out there, though. There's always that guy or that gal who is loud and the, the loud and obnoxious American. They don't get things their way, and they want to show it. I'm from America, and we don't do it like that. You know, they're loud, and they're obnoxious, and they are an embarrassment. Because I see the, the, the foreigners, those nationals of the places that we go, when they, they come in contact with that loud, obnoxious American, their eyes roll back, oh, another American. And I just want to stand up and say, No. No, that's not how we all are. That's a bad representation of Americans. Don't take that as a good example. That's a bad example. You see, how much more ought we as believers of Christ, as citizens of His kingdom, should we not all the more want to reflect the glory of His kingdom with our lives? As we live in this world, we're not, we're pilgrims passing through. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? This is not our home. We're pilgrims here. We're sojourners in this land. America is not our place of citizenship. Not really. Not finally. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are, are telling the world, as we live our lives out in the world, we're, we're showing the world, we're representing the kingdom of God to the world. And how we act in the world, how we conduct ourselves, either glorifies God or brings dishonor to God. And so Paul says, conduct yourselves worthily of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to conduct ourselves as worthy citizens of heaven and with integrity. Let me back up there for a second. One reason as Americans that we, we pride ourselves in our nationality, in our citizenship, in America, is that we, we love the freedoms that we have here. And we know that that freedom was not free. It cost Men and women throughout the ages, dearly. There's many here who have sacrificed time to go and, and serve this nation and defend the freedoms that we enjoy. There are others who have given the ultimate sacrifice, their very lives, for the freedoms that we 
rely on, that we live with, and we are grateful for that. And so we celebrate Memorial Day. We celebrate a Veterans Day, and, and we remember all of those who went before us and, and died for our freedoms on the 4th of July. Paul also says that very same thing about the gospel about this heavenly kingdom, this, this freedom that we enjoy in Christ. It wasn't free. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. We are citizens of heaven only because of Jesus Christ. You see, we were dead. We were not citizens of heaven. We were citizens of hell. Dead in our sins. Separated from God. Because of our rebellion against God, all we deserve was the, the rightful retribution of God against our rebellion. But because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because God sent His Son into this world to die, to receive the retribution that we deserve, to receive the punishment we deserve, because He died, we get to live. Because He died, we are no longer enemies of God, but now we are, can be sons and daughters of God. We can be citizens of heaven. Our freedom in Christ is not free. It cost Him everything. Dear friend, if you're here today and you're not a citizen of heaven, if you're still living in sin, if you're still living in rebellion against God, you're not a citizen of heaven, but you can be if you trust in Him. Just believe. Believe and turn to Christ. And you can have everlasting life. You can have citizenship in His eternal kingdom. So we conduct ourselves worthily as citizens of heaven. We conduct ourselves with, uh, as heaven with integrity, as citizens of heaven with integrity. That is to, to be consistent in our behavior. Continuing on there, Paul says, so that, here's the purpose, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Now notice there, whether, here, here's the reason that you are to, to continue on, let your manner of life be worthy in the gospel, so that whether Paul comes and sees them or whether he doesn't come to see them, he may hear that they are in one mind, striving side by side, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. In other words, we, we kind of talked about this the other night on, on our Wednesday night service, uh, those saying goes, it, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And Paul's saying that you understand that uh, I'm not there. I can't always be there. And, and that's that human nature that when the, when the chief is not there, the Indians begin to play and do other things. And, and so uh, I'm just always amazed when I'm out and about and, boy, you go and begin to interact with people whom I don't know and, and they begin to, you know, they're cussing and acting all foolish and then, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Boy, their attitude changes. The attitude changes. They begin, they, they straighten up. Oh, 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 I, I didn't know that. And, and, you know, they begin, always amazed. 
But I want to tell them, you know, it, it's not, you don't live before me. That's what Paul's saying. You don't live before me. God's always there. He's always there. He's always present. And that's whom you live before. So, so don't worry about how you act around me, how you carry yourself before me. I'm just a man at best. You live before God and he's always there. We have to live as citizens of heaven with integrity. Think about this. Hypocrisy is acting like a Christian only when you have an audience. But integrity is acting like a Christian when nobody else is around. How do you act at home, alone, watching TV? How do you act at home, alone, on the internet? How do you act when no one else is around to see you act the way you act? Are you living in such a way that you glorify your Father in heaven? Conduct yourselves always as worthy citizens of heaven with integrity. So how does this then work its way out? And really, that's the, that's the main proposition. Conduct yourselves as worthy citizens of heaven. And now the rest of it kind of works its way out to show us how. How we are to do this. How, do, how does this work? How does it, what does it look like? So as you consider this then, then conduct yourself worthily. And this is how you do it. Keep your post. Keep your post. Paul says there, stand firm. Stand firm in one spirit with one mind. That word there, stand firm, it means to, to keep your post, to hold your post, hold your ground. John MacArthur says of this, this word here, the word is used to refer to a soldier who will not budge, not bulge from his, budge from his post. That you will be at your post and, and not move. No compromise with error. No compromise with sin. Unyielding maintenance of their testimony for the Word of God and the Christ of God. Stand firm. Don't move doctrinally. Don't move in, in terms of conduct for from where you are to stand. We are to keep our post as faithful soldiers. We're to keep our post as faithful soldiers. That's what Paul is getting at here. That's why he brings in this term, this, this military-type term. Stand your post. Stand firm. Stand your ground. We are soldiers in the midst of war. We need to remember that. We're not on vacation here. But we're in the wilderness. We are in the midst of the battle. We are behind enemy lines. This is war. And we've given, been given a post upon which we are to stand. And Paul says, stand firm. Don't leave your post. We're to stand firm as faithful soldiers in Jesus Christ. And we're to stand firm without compromise. No compromise. No compromise. You know what compromise gets you? It causes you to lose the victory. 
causes you to face defeat. We're to stand firm without compromise, remembering that we are indeed at war. You see, this with this military, you know, keep your post, stand your post. During wartime, men have to, to stand guard. They get the, uh, the, the, the duty to stand guard, to stand on post. And, and if you leave that post, then you desert your duty. You desert your post. And, and in the military, that is, uh, ultimately, it, it could lead to the death penalty. It's that serious. If you leave your post, if you desert your post, then, then you, you cause other people to suffer. You allow the enemy to come in and to, to destroy. Paul says, stand your post. Keep your post. Don't be a deserter. But stand firm. Stand firm to the task that God has called you to do. We need more people to stand firm. Unfortunately, there's been many of people, and let me just say, Satan is out there, and he is attacking, he is attacking, he is attacking, and he is looking for us to, to kind of step back a little bit. He's looking for us to, to fall asleep on post so he can come in and attack. How many, how many ministries have been destroyed because a man or a woman have let down their guard just a little bit and slipped into an adulterous affair. Adulterous affair. They didn't stand firm in the gospel. They fell asleep. And they allowed Satan to attack. We need Christians not to desert their posts, but stand firm. Stand firm to the ministry, to the citizenship to which they've been called. We conduct, you conduct yourself worthily by keeping your post as faithful soldiers without compromise. And again, you conduct yourselves worthily by keeping your post and Another way, you cooperate within the church. You cooperate within the church. Continuing on here, stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Again, this is, we're focusing in on words today. It's just been great studying this passage. But this, again, this word, striving side by side, that's translated from one Greek word. One Greek word, striving side by side, comes from this word, sun uh, athleo. Soon athleo. Now, this is actually two words that's kind of crunched together. Soon is the, the Greek word which means with, together. But then you have that second word, athleo, athleo. Now, do you hear something familiar in that? Athleo, athletics, athlete. That's where we get that word from this word, athleo. And Paul, using this with the, the prefix soon athleo, this is that athletic term. And it means to toil together with someone in a struggle implying opposition and our competition. 
In other words, he, he's bringing them, bringing to mind there, this is a competition we're in. We're struggling, but we're struggling together. His focus here is on teamwork. We're to struggle together. We're, we're, we're in an, an opposing type situation here where we have the enemy attacking us. We're pushing against him. We're competing against him in this world. We're struggling against the enemy, but we're struggling together. We're to struggle together. We are to, to cooperate within the church. And, and Paul, as, he, as we continue to go through this book, we'll see that, that they're, they're, they're kind of dealing with some, some uh, unity issues. There's some disunity beginning to, to come into the church and cause problems within the church. And Paul, again, here wants to remind them we're to cooperate within the church and we're to cooperate as comrades in arms. We're to cooperate as comrades in arms. We are working together in the struggle. Oh, how important it is for us to be unified. And how are we unified? How do we, how do we cooperate as comrades in arms? You do this by setting aside your own preferences. Setting aside preferences. That's what Paul is going to get to as he, we continue on. As he says down here in chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He's saying you've got to set aside your preferences. Cooperation is far more important than me getting my way. Now, what he's not saying here, he's not saying that you compromise the truth in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You never compromise the truth. God's Word is truth. You never, ever, ever, and we can never compromise on the truth of God's Word. But we can compromise our preferences. We can compromise the little things that we kind of, you know, I, I like it this way, and somebody else might like it a little bit better this way. Uh, we might like this kind of music or that kind of music, or we might like people to be dressed all like this way, or, or we might like them dressed like this, and, and we can have all of these differences. But when we come to community, we're to always stay unified. We're to come together. We're to work together. Commune together. We're to cooperate together in one mind, with one spirit. And if I don't get my way, so what? If my preferences aren't met, if we don't sing the songs that I like, so what? Is that what's important? Never! The glory of Christ is what's important. Honoring Him, glorifying Him, lifting Him up to this world. Oh, what a, a, a terrible testimony it is when churches feud and fight over such frivolous things. What a dishonoring testimony we give to the world when churches split over carpet color. That's what happens all the time. We're not to do that. We cannot do that. We set our preferences aside because His glory is far more important than the little things that I might like or dislike. 
Don't compromise on the truth. Never compromise the truth. But we can compromise on carpets and great drapes and, and paint colors and all of these other things. We're not to allow disunity to come in and tear up the church. Man, that's one of the places that Satan likes to hit the most. If I can just get in there and get them to bicker in a little bit about this thing that don't matter, I can tear them apart. And he has done it time after time after time after time. Boy, just look at church history and see how often he has broken apart the church over frivolous matters. We are to cooperate within the church as comrades in arms, setting aside those preferences. A unified, gospel-centered community is so important as we engage in spiritual warfare. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Let us always strive for unity and cooperation within the body of the church. So, you are to conduct yourselves worthily, keeping your post. You cooperate within the church. And finally, you courageously endure. You courageously endure. Courageously endure as honored soldiers. As honored soldiers. Continuing on there. And, starting in verse 28, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For, remember what that word's for, for, because, this is the reason, because it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We are to conduct ourselves worthy of heavenly citizenship by courageously enduring the sufferings, the persecutions of this world. We do that as honored soldiers. It is an honor, right? It is an honor to serve God in this foreign land. Look what he says there in verse 29. For it has been granted. It has been granted to you. That word granted, it, it means graciously given. You hear what Paul's saying? It has been graciously given to you. It's a, been a gift from God to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. You get that it's an honor and a privilege to suffer in this world for the sake, the glory of Jesus Christ. It is a gracious gift to us that we believe in Him. Salvation is from God. It's not, it, it's not because we're smart enough and wise enough and all of that. Not because we're good enough. It's a gracious gift from God. We believe. We have faith. We are saved because of God's graciousness. It's His gift. cannot be earned. But it's also a gracious gift to us to suffer for the sake of Christ. 
I always get, as a Marine, you, you always, I always have these situations where people come up and, and they say, thank you for your service. And my reply to that is, it was my honor. It was my honor. It was my privilege. And I, I see it that way. For me, to serve my country was an honor and a privilege. And you talk to other guys. I never served overseas. I never saw combat. But you talk to other guys who have, and they feel the same. It's an honor to give to this country. To give, to, to have that sacrifice. To give up that sacrifice. Part of our contribution to this nation. That's an honor you know what an honor it is as we serve God in this foreign land, in this world, right? We're behind enemy lines. We are in the midst of battle right here. This is conflict. And yeah, in America, it may not be hard conflict. Let me tell you, after this weekend being there at Missions Connect, there's some places that it's hard. They are in the midst of battle. They're on the front lines and they are getting it. But we're, on the enemy, we're in behind enemy lines right here as well. We may not see it so much because we're not out there pushing as hard. That may be the, the big thing. We get out there and begin to push with the gospel. If we get, begin to work in the gospel, carrying the gospel to the law, the more we work, the more we're going to see that we are in the midst of a battle. Maybe that's it. Maybe we just need to get out there and fight a little harder and we'd see where we are. But we are behind enemy lines. And, and as we lift up Christ in this world, let me tell you, Satan is going to attack. He will every time. Every time. You see a church begin to, to do stuff for the Lord, get on a roll for the Lord, and, and revivals begin to, to take out. Just wait. Something's fixing to happen. The enemy is about to attack. You better get ready for it. But it is a grace of God that we not only are saved in Christ, but that we get to suffer for the glory of Christ, lifting His name high why do you do what you do because Jesus is worthy he is worthy what an honor it is for us to serve Christ in his army in this land and suffer what we have to suffer but we suffer we courageously endure the suffering as honored so soldiers with eternal hope with eternal hope go back to 28 and not frightened in anything by your opponents this is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God no matter what we suffer, what persecutions we may suffer in this world, for the call of the gospel, we have eternal hope. And as we live out the gospel in this world, and we surely will receive 
trials and tribulations and persecutions that, that come from the enemy. We will, if we serve Christ with our life, we will suffer persecution. We will. It's promised throughout Scripture. But as we receive persecution for standing on the gospel, we say, praise God. What a great evidence that I'm His. What a great evidence of my eternal hope in Jesus Christ. When Satan attacks me, if Satan's not attacking you, you might ought to question things. You might ought to examine your life a little bit. But praise be to God, if Satan is attacking me, then I must be working for him, for my Christ, my God. Praise God, we courageously endure as honored soldiers in Christ's army because we have an eternal hope in him. The Congressional Medal of Honor <clears throat> is the highest military award in the land. It is awarded to those men of valor who go well beyond, above and beyond the, the call of duty to honor the citizenship, their citizenship to these United States of America. That's definitely conduct worthy of their citizenship. But how about you? How is your conduct? As a citizen of Christ's kingdom, how is your conduct? Does your, <clears throat> does your conduct honor your citizenship in His kingdom? Are you living worthily of your citizenship? Do you keep your post? Are you cooperating within the church? Are you courageously enduring as you suffer for the cause of the gospel in Christ, rejoice in your heavenly citizenship, displaying conduct worthy of His kingdom. How are you doing today? Oh, Heavenly Father, certainly, Lord, all of us have experienced times when we've been ashamed of our conduct. But I pray, O oh Lord, that today we would consider Your Word. Consider this imperative from Paul. Lord, may we apply it to us so that we live every day of our lives conducting ourselves as worthy citizens of Your kingdom. And Lord, give us the strength to endure the sufferings of this world until that glorious day when You bring us home, revealing to us our eternal hope in Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps you're here today and you don't belong to His kingdom but you would like to know how you might get there, I invite you to come. I'd like to talk to you.